Welcome to David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. You are about to get a glimpse behind the curtain of David's massively successful income acceleration principles as he shows you how to approach your business with innovative growth strategies that are grounded in accurate thinking and result in high-end sales. And here is the man himself, David Nagel. I think the main thing that you have to remember for those of you that are building a business or want to build a business is that entrepreneurs think so different than the average person. And success really requires that you think different than the average person. Because if you try to approach it from what you, how you normally think, where, what you're normally comfortable with, that is a death sentence in business. People ask me all the time, like, you know, how do you manage to think the way that you do? It's not by accident. I had to train myself to think this way. Remember, I was the guy that was on the dock, stuck on the dock loading potato chips on a trailer, and could not figure out how to get out of that situation. The only way to do that and then go out and build multi-million dollar companies the way that I have is by teaching myself and insisting that I learn how to think differently than the way that I was thinking that kept me in that place. And every once in a while, somebody from my childhood, a friend or something, will reach out to me just to say hi. They'll see me on Facebook or something and, you know, try to reconnect. And it's astounding that not one of the people that I know that I grew up with have done anything more than basically I did when I was in that trailer. They're all still in the exact same place that I left 30 years ago. And the only difference, it's not that they're not smart. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought most of them were much smarter than I was. They got better grades than I did. They didn't get as near the trouble that I got in. And it had nothing to do with intelligence. The thinking that was drilled into their mind has kept them exactly where they are. And they'll ask me, how you know, I just actually got an email the other day from one of the girls that I used to work with, and she said, you know, I thought about coming to one of your events, and that's about as far as it got. She said, your life seems so much more interesting than mine. And I'm like, it probably is. But the reason why is because you only think about going to an event, and that's as far as it goes. You know, but I remember that, and when she wrote that, I remember when I was thinking about going to an event and struggling with it like crazy because I didn't have the money to go. It was $3,200 to go to that first event that I went to. And I was working a job where we were, you know, just pretty much making ends meet. I mean, we didn't have like a lot of debt or anything. We were doing okay. But I didn't have like a lot of extra money. And it was, I found out about the event in December. I think it was December. And the event was in February. So when you're making, trading time for money, it's like, how do you come up with 3200 bucks that fast? And I remember looking out my kitchen window, and I had bought a boat that I had paid for on time. I had made payments on it, and I had just paid it off over a three-year period. And I thought to myself, the only real resource that I have is to sell that boat. And that boat was a dream. It was a goal that I had for myself. It was one of the first things that I actually went out and bought for myself after I got my shit together. I thought, you know, if I could ever figure out what the hell I'm doing, 
that is working, I can have as many boats as I want, or whatever kind of boat that I want. And that day I put the boat up for sale. I sold the boat for $17,000. No, I'm sorry. I sold the boat for $12,000. And went to the event, and I came home and bought a computer. Because I didn't know how to use a computer. That was in 93. That was in 1993. And I really started to decide that I'm going to do things differently than I've ever done before. I took all the cassette tapes that were in the big box in the back of my Ford Escort and took them out of my car and replaced them with books on tape, seminars on tape, different kinds of talks from entrepreneurs, and I, and I literally turned my car into a mobile library. Why did I turn my car into a mobile library? Because I had to drive 100 miles to work one way. Why did I have to drive 100 miles to work one way? Because the only house that I could afford based on where I lived that was not in a shitty neighborhood was almost a, was about 85 miles from our main office. Our main office was in Lamont, Illinois, and I moved out to Rockford. I mean, it was a joke when we were looking for our first house because we kept going west because we couldn't find anything that we could afford. And we, had, we knew that we, you know, I mean, anything that was closer into the city was really in a bad neighborhood, so we started going west. And we're going west, you know, and at first it's 10 miles, then it's 20. It's like, yeah, well, I could drive 20. Then it's 35, 40. We get about 45 miles out away from the house, and the real estate agent says, you know, there's this little community out near Rockford. I'm like, Rockford? That's halfway across the state. She said, well, it's really not that bad. It's only a 60-mile drive into the city. And I'm thinking, yeah, but then it's another 20 miles south down to Lamont. I'm like, well, might as well take a look at it. And that's where we ended up buying our first house, a little 980-square-foot ranch in a little gated community um, in a little suburb of Rockford, Illinois. And I drove that every day, six days a week, 100 miles. So I thought, I'm going to put this to good use. And I turned it into a library. Stopped listening to music, stopped. I really basically stopped everything that I was doing except for working, spending as little time with the family that I had, and studying. And that's it. And that's all I did for seven years. But the interesting thing was that nothing really changed in that seven-year period of time. But I didn't realize that. And I thought that I was on, like, on this right path and I was doing the right things, but nothing was changing. And I was kind of like a deer in the headlights. I didn't realize that nothing was changing, and I didn't realize that I was employing a strategy in my life that has no basis in any kind of logic whatsoever, and that's hope. Hope is not a strategy. Now, if you'd have told me at the time, you're a hope addict, I would not have realized that. I had never heard the term before. I didn't, I, I had no idea what that was. But the idea that I was looking for something different, but nothing was changing, and I couldn't seem to put those two pieces together as to why, that just eluded me. And I didn't realize that at that point in time, when you're, when you're in that place, when you've done studying and you're ready to start to make a change and nothing significant is changing, it's because it's one of the, it, you're ready to make one of the biggest changes that you've ever made. You're ready to take one of the biggest steps in your life that you've ever taken. 
but you don't recognize it because like Napoleon Hill said, it's coming from a different direction. It looks entirely different than anything that you're used to. It doesn't look like anything that you're used to. So you end up with, I mean, I'm the, my first thoughts were, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I started waking up at 2.20 in the morning every night, every morning, with this thought that was going through my mind that said, if you want to live your dream, you have to leave. And that was the only, that was it. It was like the thought came in and then it was gone. I'm like, leave what? 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 Who are you? What, you know, what do I have to leave? And I would pick up a book and it would say something like, yo to thee that doesn't make a decision to move forward, you know, <laughs> suffers the consequences and the wrath of God. Or so, you know, I mean, it was just like, and I'd be like, what the hell? Like, I mean, I kept getting this message, this message, this message, but I couldn't make sense of what it meant. I did not I mean, I was the epitome of just not getting it. So I had just started coaching with my mentor, and I said to him, I called him on the phone and I said, this is six months in, by the way, because I figured I could figure this out by myself. And I was very wrong. I said, Bob, he was in Toronto, I was in Chicago, and I said, Bob, I have to ask you a question. He said, I don't have time to, for you to ask me a question right now. I'm getting on a plane to go to New Orleans. If you want to ask me a question, you have to fly down to New Orleans. I'm like, I just have a question. <laughs> and I'm like, then I, then I start going through this game in my head. Like, how do I tell my wife I have to fly to New Orleans to ask Bob a question? That's not going to fly. So I'm trying to make, I'm like, okay, well... You know, there could be a speaking opportunity down there if you were to go down. There could be something else, you know, something else down there if you go down there. So I'm trying to come up with this excuse. And then, of course, I've got to fly first class. So it's like, how much room do I have on this credit card? How much room do I have on that one? Anyway, I managed to get myself to New Orleans, wait around for him to get done speaking all day long, and then meet him out like in the foyer out here. And he says to me, so what's so important you had to fly down here to ask me? I'm like, come on. I said, I got a real problem. He says, what's your problem? I said, I'm waking, every, waking up every morning at 2.20 in the morning with this voice in my head that says, if you want to live your dream, you have to leave. He said, yeah, so why don't you leave? I'm like, leave what? I don't even understand what it means. And he said to me, did you ever starve before? I'm like, what? I had no idea. I'm like, I was so confused. He said, did you ever starve before? I'm like, no. He said, do you know anybody that's starving? I said, no, what the hell does that have to do with anything? He said, then you'll always get what you need when you need it. I'm like, Bob, you're losing me. I have no idea what you're saying. He said, you're afraid to quit your job, aren't you? I said, so you're telling me that that's what this means. That if I want to live my dream, I have to quit. He said, well, you can't do two things at the same time, can you? He said, you're afraid to quit. I said, I don't even know what I would do. He said, well, you don't need to know what you would do. You have a job. I'm like, Bob, I've got kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got car payments. He said, well, that's the perfect reason why you can't, isn't it? And I was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier. But he said something to me that really intrigued me because I really believed this man. He had, he had not led me astray in everything that he had told me up to that point that I had been working with him was 100% accurate. 
He said, you'll always get what you need when you need it. But this time I thought I had him. So I went home and spent six months tracing events back in my life and those of people that, I, that were immediate family, looking at that there, I was sure I was going to punch a hole in that theory. That could not be accurate. There's just no way that that could be accurate. And I was unbelievably shocked how wrong I was that it was not only accurate, but it was accurate 100% of the time. What I was confusing in my mind was you don't always get what you want when you want it, but you'll always get what you need when you need it. And there's a difference between when you think you need something and when you actually need it. So I was blown away by this. And I said, okay, if this is true, because I had a further conversation with him and he said, you have to understand, you don't have any subconscious programming that says that you're going to be homeless or that you're going to starve or that you're going to end up out on the street or there's going to be a big disaster, do you? I'm like, I don't think so. He said, there's nothing to think about. He said, is it in your past experience? I said, no. He said, so then for that to happen, you'd have to make a conscious choice to do that. It's not going to be like something you wake up one day and figure out, how the hell am I sleeping under a bridge? It's not part of your experience. So I started thinking, if I'm going to teach what I teach, I've got to live this to the nth degree, which means I really need to put this to the test. Because if I can't do this, there's no way I could ask anybody else to do it. So I quit. That month, I quit. I walked in and took a seven-year career that could have been a career for the rest of my life. I would have been totally safe, made decent money, and I quit, not even knowing what I was going to do. And I said, if it's true, then the opportunity will show itself. And it did. 30 days after I quit, the opportunity showed itself. And how did it show itself? It showed itself in the form of me becoming a facilitator for Bob Proctor's programs. He was just starting to open facilitation program where you would pay, they would come in, they would train you on the material, and then you, you would be licensed to go out and do your own seminars based on teaching and selling his material. And that's what I did. And I had not spoken in front of a group of people for more than three or four minutes, let alone three days. I went in and got training in, uh, I, I signed up in October, got training in December, put on my first event in January. I was selling people into the seats while I was getting the training because I didn't have time. It was a business. It had to start making money immediately. Now, the key to this is that I had to spend, I had $70,000 in a 401k plan. We had no money left in savings because I had spent it all flying first class. <laughs> I had credit card debt up the ass, and I thought, okay, it's going to cost me about 20 grand to do the certification and the training. I could take the rest of it and pay off all the debt that I've got and have a little bit left over. I had $5,000 left over after it was all paid. I literally, I got rid of my cars, so I didn't have car payments. I went out and bought a Toyota van 
that I could pay cash for. I paid $7,000 for it. It had 200,000 miles on it. 200,000 miles on it. So I didn't have a car payment. So I figured if I can keep my monthly payments as low as possible, I don't have to come up with as big a nut every month to pay. It give me a little bit of a cushion to start to build this. But I had $5,000 left, which gave me, it was basically, that was one month's worth of bills. My bills were about five grand after everything was paid off. And I had to come out swinging. I had to make money immediately. So I established for myself a sense of urgency. It wasn't you can do this when it's convenient because I only had one month. After that, we didn't have any money. So I had to make money every single month, period. It wasn't like, well, do you feel like it? Are you afraid to get on the phone? It was no. You're going to do nothing but sales in your business, and you're going to build it that way. I didn't know any other way to build it. Now, the saving grace was that he was my coach. So I followed everything that he told me to follow. And within six months, I had a monthly income that was equivalent to my annual income prior to going into business myself. Within six months. I would not have done that had he been not coaching me. Now, let me give you an idea of what the difference is. When I went through that training, there were 250 people that went with me. None of them are in business today, except for me. None of them. None of the original group of 250 are in business today doing what they were trained to do, except for me. None of them hired Bob as a coach because they all thought that they could do it themselves. Seven months into doing the program, I was putting more people in Bob's seminars than anybody in the history of company had put in his seminars, and I was filling my own. So they brought me in to start training the facilitators how to sell. How do you actually sell the program? And I was so excited. This was such an opportunity for me. And I remember going into a room about this size that was full of facilitators who were just as excited as I was, only to find out that the problem that we were facing as a company was that they loved the material. They loved to learn it. They loved to teach it. They loved to be around it. But they wanted nothing to do with selling it. And I found out that you cannot make a person learn that skill set. And without it, you're, you will go out of business. Without that skill set, the best advice that I could give you is to stay in a job. Because your company will never get off the ground. So I started thinking to myself, why is it so many people would spend so much money to do this and not understand that they had to sell? Now, I understood that I had to sell. I wasn't happy about it. Because I loved the material just as much as everybody else did. It changed my life. But I also knew that I had to sell it. They knew that. They heard that. They heard that in the training. But they didn't hear it. They didn't take it in. They thought that Bob was talking to the person sitting next to them. Not them. Because I distinctly remember sitting in that training and Bob saying, nothing happens until the sale is made. 
Nothing happens until the sale is made. Sale meaning that there's been a financial transaction, not that you had a conversation with somebody and they're thinking about it. That's not a sale. But they didn't want anything to do with it. And that's why none of them are in business for themselves today. Every once in a while, somebody will come to my, one of my events and they'll say, you don't remember me, but I was in that first training with you. How is it that I'm still where I am and you are where you are? And I'll be like, really? You studied the same material I did. Did you hire a coach? No. Why, would you, why should I have to hire a coach? Well, you just asked me, why am I here and you're there? Because you th thought about building the business the only way that you thought about building the business, which doesn't build a business. And see, that is the problem why so many people stay stuck. You see, part of the value system of the, of the working class and the middle class mindset is do it yourself. Don't rely on anybody else. When you really look deep into it, into the truth, they rely on people more than anybody else in the world. It's so interesting the contradiction that takes place in the mind. I'm a do-it-yourself person. No, you're not. You rely on other people for every single thing that you have. If you had to do something yourself to support yourself, you would crumble on the floor in a puddle of tears. You have no idea what it's like to do something yourself. Just because you put new paneling on your basement doesn't mean you're a do-it-yourself person. So we think, but I'm an intelligent person. I should be able to do this. Building a business has nothing to do with intelligence. People confuse that. They think, oh, I either, either they see somebody who's done really well and they think, oh, they're so smart. No, actually, a lot of them are pretty stupid. It's just that they get focused on one idea that's really good and they won't let go. You don't have to be smart to build a business. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence. You only think it takes a lot of intelligence because you see people doing things that you never think of, so you assume that they're smart. They're just as programmed as you are. They're just programmed with something different. The thinking is completely different. That means they're willing to submit to what needs to be done in order to get what it is that they want and move in the direction that they want to go. Remember, it's always the thing that you say, well, I'm not going to do that, or I'm not ready for that, that is going to stop you right where you are. It's like the universe says, okay, I'm not going to force you. You really can have everything that you dream about, but you want to do it your way, so go ahead. Let me know how that's working in six months. If you're not growing your business, if you're not doubling your business every six months to a year, you need help. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Your way is not cutting it. You say, well, well, why does it have to grow like that? Because if it's not growing, you're not getting to sustainability in your business. You're treading water at best. If you're thinking to yourself, Where's my next sale going to come from? You've got a big problem. If you're wondering, am I going to have enough to pay the bills this month? You've got a big problem. Your business is in crisis mode. And without understanding the right tools and the right skill sets and when 
to employ them over how to employ them is critical to you getting up to a place where your business is really got some momentum. So notice I'm saying when, not how. Because this is the biggest confusion for most people. What typically happens is we look at somebody else who has a big business. And we say, what are they doing? Like, okay, well, they're on the internet, and they're doing all these videos, and they're speaking in all these places. That's what I'm going to do. Wrong. That is not what they did to build their business. That's what they're doing now. That is not what got the business off the ground. And because it seems to make sense, you don't understand the strategy behind it. So you want to employ something that, yes, is a good strategy, yes, that works, yes, that makes them millions of dollars, but at the wrong time. All the things that you hear about marketing out there, forget about it. If your business is in the early stages, marketing is not the name of the game. It is riskier than going to play the, the riskiest gambling thing in Vegas. Why? Because you don't know what you're doing. And believe me, marketing requires a lot of skill. You have to know a lot to be an efficient marketer. It requires a lot of money. It is not cheap to market. When you start getting into pay-per-click and buying leads, I mean, it is like flushing $100 bills down the toilet one after another. And before you know it, it can be all gone. I've seen people go through millions of dollars trying to figure it out and not figure it out. And part of the problem is that the technology is changing constantly. What works today, only from a technological standpoint, as soon as they change it, does not work tomorrow. And if you don't understand that, and you don't understand how to find out what's changed and figure it out fast, your money is just flying right out the window. Plus, here's another problem that you have. You, when you're marketing, you're losing, you're giving a big piece of this up. Control. Because marketing is an extension of you and your business. When you're marketing, whether it's print advertising, or on the internet, by video, um, snail mail, however it is, it is an extension of you, it's not you. So you lose a little bit of control. You don't know for sure what somebody's doing with that. And it takes a lot of having the right systems in place so that you can pay attention to the numbers of everything that's going on so that you can make decisions based on numbers, not based on what you think is happening. I see people make decisions like, oh, I'm going to send out 50,000 mailers. I bought a list and I'm going to have 50,000 really nice glossy things made up and, you know, they spend 10, 20 grand and they're going to send that out and they get nothing. And they're like, I don't understand. It was so nice. But you don't know what the hell you're doing. And you don't have the systems to follow up on it. You don't have the systems to know what anybody even did with any of that stuff. So you might as well have just given the money away. You lose control. And you can't afford to lose control when you first start a business. You don't have the, the time. You definitely don't have the money to lose control. One of the great freedoms about being in a business is that you get to be in control of your income. But if you give up that control based on ignorance, what you don't know how to do, or worse, guessing, don't expect your income to reflect anything other 
than very immature behavior because it won't. Every business that you see that is running, that is functioning, that is bringing in a lot of money is doing it by design. Every single thing is designed. And it's checked and it's rechecked and it's counted and it's balanced and it's checked again. And then it's tested against something that's similar with only one little change made to see if something else outperforms. There's a lot to it. And it takes time to get to the place where you're actually able to do all of those things. You know, because it requires hiring the right people, making sure that they've got the skill set and the knowledge and the history to be able to, to do those kinds of expertise. So where does that leave you? It leaves you in the place with the only thing that you can do to start your business, and that is to be in control of the sales on a daily basis. Your job is to build a list, doesn't matter what business you're in, that you can market to. You do not market to build a list. That is the worst way to build a list. You build a list that you can market to. You do not market to build a list. And that is all about technique. So then it becomes, well, how do I build a list in order to market to? The only way that you can really do that is to get yourself a good coach. Because you need a strategy. It's not something somebody can give you in five minutes. You need an entire strategy that happens by design. It does not happen by luck. That's it for this episode of David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. If you're a business owner who's hearing more no's from ideal clients than expected, go now to www.salesstrategyreview.com to claim a complimentary one-on-one session with one of David's trained sales coaches and learn what you can do right now to accelerate your sales and income. We trust you enjoyed this edition of David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. And until next time, just believe.